why I'm laughing. Good morning, and peace be with you. Debbie, you're showing pictures. What do you got? We got some... Oh, the Bible verse of the day. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Good answer. Well, welcome everybody on this rainy day. Um, I, the funny thing is, is uh, a gentleman I just met, Lee, uh, confirmed what I had suspected this morning as Dave and I are pulling out. It's a little bit rainy down south, but I kind of felt maybe we would have more water up here in the north part. So I said, David, do you have uh, the Weather Channel on your, your phone? He goes, yep. I said, what does it say about rain? He says, it's not going to rain. And then I get here, and I'm in my office, and it says 11% chance of raining, and it was raining the whole way up here. So I thought maybe I was going nuts, but Lee uh, confirmed that, no, I'm not. Either that or we both have a problem. I think it's probably a problem with the Weather Channel. So welcome, Sharon and Lee. And uh, this morning, I have some brief announcements. I'll let you read most of them. The first and foremost is on the top. Today is Mission Sunday. And this month, our donations will go to Lutherans for Life. And they are uh, in the ministry of spreading the love and the truth of the gospel and the sanctity of life around all communities that are in need. So uh, give as your heart uh, leads you. And we appreciate that. Next week is the Pentecost Sunday, and that is when we get to wear red. So put on your red, and we'll, uh, we'll celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit. I think that's about all that needs to be said out loud. I'm sure anybody have anything else? Otherwise, forever hold your peace, and we'll get started. Oh, Susan? Oh, Fellowship is inside today, uh, the next building uh, over there, the Fellowship Hall, but in the, the common area out in front. So um, Debbie and Susan were setting that up today, and we have coffee and refreshments after the service, okay? Well, let's get started, Tim.
We come together this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God, Alleluia, sing with all the people of God, and join in the hymn of all creation, blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb, forever. Amen. 
This is the feast of victory for our God. For the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O King of glory, Lord of hosts, uplifted in triumph far above all heavens, leave us not without consolation, but send us the Spirit of truth whom you promised from the Father. For you live and reign with him in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning. All right, the first reading this morning is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 12 through 26, which can be found in your Pew Bible on page 1691. Now, this is written by Luke, and he's documenting the Acts of the Apostles, including Paul, whom he traveled with uh, extensively. And this was written probably about 30 years after the resurrection, so a relatively short time where memories are accurate and eyewitnesses are still everywhere. Acts chapter 1, beginning with the 12th verse. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it's written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed. Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. Our second reading is Psalm 1, and we'll read that responsively. It's printed in your bulletin. This psalm describes two different paths and their consequences. One path is with God, and the other one is opposed to God. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, 
and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The epistle this morning is taken from John's first letter to the Christians in Ephesus, Greece, reminding them of the grace and, and uh, peace that comes with Christ Jesus. 1 John chapter 5, beginning with the ninth verse, can be found on page 1903 in your pew Bible. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony of God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. John from the 17th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our reading is from John chapter 17 verses 11 through 19 and can be found on page 1680 of your pew bible and i'm actually going to be reading a little different version it's the english standard version so you may follow along and find that it's a little different but the meaning is the same i am no longer in the world but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the Son of Destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, 
I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Today's gospel scene places us up in the upper room on the evening before Jesus died for us on the cross. Judas has left the gathering, and he is on his way to the authorities in order to get a band of soldiers that, will, that he will lead to Gethsemane in order to betray Jesus. He is almost ready to go to Gethsemane where he will be arrested. Jesus, <clears throat> knowing that his disciples are about to experience three of the most scary and most lonely days of their lives. Our brother, our Savior Jesus, has one last thing to do before they leave for Gethsemane. He prayed. He prayed to the Father on their behalf, and he allowed the disciples to, to listen in and we call this prayer Jesus's, Jesus, apostrophe. It's his high priestly prayer. And it is the gospel for this day that is part of that prayer. This prayer teaches us much about Jesus' attitude towards us. It also reveals the nature of the Father as we hear the Son, beseech him to have mercy on us. This is the evening before he is to die on the cross, and Jesus knew it. He could certainly have asked for himself in this prayer. We would have understood it. We would have totally focused on our own upcoming suffering and death, but he did not. Instead, he prayed for those who will feel so alone and so frightened during the coming days. And during the coming days, these are the days of his gauntlet of sorrow, his suffering and death. These are the days that are coming of his weight in the tomb. And he prayed for those who will hide behind locked doors until they see him face to face after his resurrection. This prayer is for us as well. And though we know that Jesus has never left us, he has taken his visible presence from us. He has ascended into heaven, and although he is with us, we cannot see him. He has not yet come to take us into our eternal home. So we find ourselves in a time of waiting for Jesus to reveal himself. We are in the time of now, but not yet. He is with us now, but we cannot yet see him with our physical eyes. He has given us heaven now, but we cannot yet experience it as we will in eternity. You see, all of Christ's gifts, all of them, already belong to us now. 
but we cannot yet experience them to the fullest. So we live in the time of now, but not yet. Jesus' prayer is for all of those who wait in the world now, but not yet. And while we live in the tension of now, but not yet, of the Christian life, we also live in the tension of being in the world, but not of the world. We are like resident aliens, people who reside in one country but are citizens of another. One of our problems that we have is that even though we are aliens in this world, we expect to get along with it. We expect to prosper in a world that is not our home. Some will even tell you that when you become a part of God's family, everything will start turning up roses. You will become wealthy and more attractive. Your relationship with your spouse will blossom and your children will rise up and call you blessed. More than that, others will say your health will improve and you will have more energy. Now this deception will tell you that God wants nothing but material and social prosperity for you. This deception tells you that the worldly success indicates a superior standing with God. Jesus has a different teaching. In his prayer, he prayed, the world has hated them because they are not of the world. That does not sound at all like the prosperity we hear so much about from this world. And it is because we are resident aliens in this world, the truth is the world is out to get us. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, let me tell you. The devil, the world, and our own sinful nature, our own flesh, constantly confront, constantly attack us. And sometimes the attack is a, direct, uh, is a direct one. Martyrs, well, they died in Roman arenas and German gas chambers. And in modern times, governments have actually used aircraft to bomb and destroy Christian communities in their own countries. Other times, the temptation is more subtle. The evil forces of this world use enticements and pleasures to draw us away from God. There is the deception that makes a sin seem so harmless, so good, so desirable at the time. And while we consider the, temp the temptation, everything looks good. Everything looks pleasant. And this has been a weapon of the evil one from the very beginning in Eden when he said, in Genesis 3, 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired, to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Temptation always seems like a good time and a good idea. It really wouldn't be tempting if it didn't. And this world is a world of sin. Whether we are citizens of this world or citizens of heaven, we will sin while we live in this world. Even we who are bound for heaven 
must mourn with Paul when Paul wrote in Romans seven nineteen, I do not do the good I want to do. He writes, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. We are saints in God's eyes for Jesus' sake, but we continue to sin. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. The people of this world operate on a spectrum of beliefs when they deal with sin. At, at one end of the spectrum are those who have deceived themselves into believing that they do not sin. Seems like we say that every Sunday. This typically involves a dilution of God's justice. They either tone down God's law to the point that they can keep it, or they get rid of God's law altogether. And the Pharisees are examples of this. In spite of the fact that they studied the Scriptures constantly, they should have known better. They interpreted the law in a way that made it doable. They saw the law as something that you could actually keep. They made keeping the law into an external activity designed to impress men so that they would become objects of praise for their own good works. In fact, they were in denial about their true status in the eyes of God. And at the other end of the spectrum are people like Judas. Judas is an example of despair. Judas did not deny his sin at all. In fact, he understood it, that he deserved punishment. And in his case, the evil forces of the world convinced Judas that his sin was more powerful than God's forgiveness. Instead of repenting and asking for forgiveness, he hung himself. Evil used the great sin of despair to push Judas over the edge and into the abyss of eternal punishment. Now, the people of this world stand all along the spectrum. Some are quite proud of their righteousness. Others don't really care. Still, others destroy themselves out of despair. And eventually they all stand before God and realize their mistake, their mistake, but it will be too late. Now, when the Holy Spirit works faith in us so that we place our trust in Jesus Christ, a new way, a new way opens for us. Our citizenship is no longer in this world. Instead, it is in heaven. And we live in this world as aliens. And when the forces of evil overwhelm us and we sin, and we will, and we have, and we do, we have an ambassador with the Father who is Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. And the Holy Spirit has given us the sight, the eyes, to see our sins and mourn our inability to keep God's law. He has made known the reality of the punishment that our sins deserve. However, instead of driving us into despair, our sin drives us drives us to Jesus Christ on the cross, crucified for our sins. The depth of our sin shows us the height of his love. The love that sacrificed itself on a cross in order to free us from the guilt of our sin. The love that revoked our citizenship in this world and made us citizens in heaven. And by the Holy Spirit's power, we do not deny our sins, but we readily confess them before God. 
by the Holy Spirit's power, we find ourselves offering God the highest praise as we beg. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus prays for us. In his high priestly prayer, he prayed that the Holy Father will keep us in his name. And in this way, we will have, by grace, the unity that the Father and the Son have by nature. And as we look at the words that Jesus used, Holy Father and name, we see that Jesus' prayer is a variation on the beginning of the prayer that he taught us that begins with our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. And as we listen to Jesus' prayer, we learn that the closer we are to the Father, the closer that we are to each other. When the Father keeps us in his name, then we are at one in him. Now, how did Jesus keep us in the Father's name? His prayer tells us that as well. He tells us that he prayed to the Father, I have given them your word. And he kept them in the Father's name by teaching them the Father's word. He still works that way today, Jesus does. And Martin Luther said this, that, that God's name is holy among ourselves. God's name is kept holy when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity, and we, as the children of God, lead godly lives according to it. And then he prays, help us to do this, dear Father in heaven. But anyone who teaches or lives contrary to God's word profanes the name of God among us. And he prays, protect us from this, Heavenly Father. It is God's word in the divine service. It is God's word in Bible study and in the family and in private devotions that keeps us in the Father's name. The Holy Spirit uses God's word to revoke our citizenship in this world and to establish and maintain our citizenship in heaven. Jesus, our great high priest, loves us so very much. And when any normal person would be concerned for their own upcoming suffering and death, Jesus was praying for us. He was praying that we would remain in the Holy Father's name by the power of his word. He was about to go to the cross in order to make it so that we would be in this world, but not of it. And he prayed to his Father to keep us that way. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Let us now confess our faith together with the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our prayer this morning, the response after, Lord, in your mercy, is hear our prayer. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord God, Heavenly King, once again you have gathered us before your presence, 
Grant that we may dwell in your house all the days of our lives and gaze upon your beauty manifested here in your word and sacrament. Graciously hear our prayers as we now inquire in your temple. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of the church, you led your apostles to choose Matthias to replace Judas. Guide your church on earth as she calls and chooses men to serve in the apostolic office that your word would continue to grow and bear fruit. Keep these men faithful and bless their ministry. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, our protector and savior, look in mercy upon those suffering persecution for the sake of your name. Many have been forsaken even by the father, mother, and friend. Take them into your keeping. Hear their cries and do not let them be afraid. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of all nations, since it is your will that we would pray for all in authority, we believe with confidence that you hear our prayers on behalf of our president, our governor, Congress, legislature, and judges. Teach them the testimony of truth, that they may be wise and effective in their offices. Lord, in your mercy, Eternal Father, you have testified that eternal life is given in your Son and that whoever has him has life. You also promise that you will hear whatever we ask according to your will. Hear now our prayers for all who are sick and in distress. Heal them and give life to all those who hold your Son in faithful hearts. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious God, as we eat and drink our Savior's body and blood, give us your light and salvation, strong and courageous hearts, and never-failing hope that we may wait steadfastly for you and your final deliverance. Lord, in your mercy. And Holy Father, Accept the prayers that we offer through your Son, our Savior, and keep us forever in your name and word, that we may be one just as you are one. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you always. Well, let us share the peace responsibly at a distance. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and ever-living God, but chiefly we are bound to praise you for the glorious resurrection of our Lord, for he is the true Passover lamb who gave himself to take away our sin, who by his death has destroyed death, and by his rising has brought us to eternal life. And so with Mary Magdalene and Peter and all of the witnesses of the resurrection, with 
earth and sea and all their creatures, and with angels and archangels, cherubim and seraphim, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us together pray the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. This meal is a foretaste here now, but not yet, of the feast to come. This meal does impart God's grace upon you in real time. It is like a personal Passover, his body, his blood, shed for, broken for you. For all who believe, and I heard you confess that, this meal is for you. You may be seated, and the ushers will bring you forward.
not all folks there's more it's already yours now but we don't get to experience it yet until we are with him forever in heaven I pray that you found comfort in hearing how much the father loves you by sending his son for you I pray that you found comfort in the truth of the gospel. I pray that you found comfort in being with others who confess the same faith. I pray that you find comfort in the sacrament that promises to deliver you from death to eternal life. And now, the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Your word is good, it's ever faithful. Worth more than gold, the heart's delight. Your word gives life to all who hear and obey. Your word and 
yours forever Your word is true It never changes It formed the earth Sustains it still Your word defends Providing refuge and strength Your word endures forever for